Yo, 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 what's up, man? Welcome to another episode of Stay Rich in Spirit. I'm your host, Maurice Robinson, a.k.a. Rich, and I am delighted to have you guys back on the channel, back on the network, back tuning in, and listening to what I got to say today. Today is going to be a very interesting topic. We're going to kind of get into the research and work that I'm doing to complete my dissertation at Temple University in the Department of Africology and African-American Studies. Um, before we get into everything, I just want to give a shout out to everybody who's tuned in and locked in with us, supporting on the social medias, Instagram, TikTok, wherever it be, my show or biz show, Verily Verified, best biz, no cuts if you guys aren't following him. He produces great content for the network as well. Um, everybody who's subscribed to the YouTube channel, um, we're going to be posting things every other Tuesday there, wherever it be shorts or long form content and especially those who are subscribed to our patreon channel rich podcast tv that's really the lifeline of what we do here it gives us the ability to um, keep producing content keep giving you guys the best quality and even better quality in the future with that being said let's get into the research man elijah you ready Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so right now I am talking, I'm dealing with the work entitled The Born Hustler, a prescription for freedom uh, for families of African descent in America, right? And I, of course I directly deal with the African American community, but I believe the information that I am sharing and explaining in my research can really be applied to anybody from any place, anywhere in the world. Um, uh, let's get right into it. You know, it's a couple of key things that we are going to have to define later on down the line for you to fully understand the uh, academic foundation or the academic framework that I'm working with. But we're going to kind of save that. Things like theory, methodology, um, paradigm, meta theory, uh, methodologies that I'm going to use to kind of break these different concepts down. Uh, you're going to get a little bit of that in this episode, but this is just going to be part one of a special series that we're going to be recording probably maybe once a month, you know, until I complete my research and defend my dissertation. Again, I want to thank everybody for being supporting me along this journey. It's definitely one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life, but I know the benefit will be of great abundance. A blessing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, let's get into it. So uh, what my paper plans to do? Uh, the first thing I'm trying to do is explain the role of conscious agency for business owners, primarily black business owners in America looking to change consumer trends in their own community, right? Uh, another thing I'm looking to do is describe a legacy of African families' contribution to the world economically post and prior to the slave trade in America and Europe. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, the next thing I'm trying to do is explore a caricature of freedom in the black community who I have named like the born hustlers of the world. You know, I think we play a special role in the world to come for African-Americans, not just not just African-Americans, but the entire African diaspora. Um, and prescribing black people encountering institutional inhibition and different um, mainstream organizations and align their agency with a consciousness of their history and culture, you know, and spirit that they inherited from their family to actualize possibilities and opportunities within their own community, right? So, Elijah, can we get into it? Let's go. So, the three foundationary principles of my research, like most Afrocentric studies you'll find, is history, culture, and spirit. History, culture, and spirit. When we're talking about history, right, um, we're really, it's two things we want to talk about. The one thing we got to talk about and address is that there's a major misconception that the history of the world kind of... Um, that there's only one human history of the world uh, with people who were leading the charge and other people who were just subservient or inferior in this manifestation of history throughout time, right? Uh, we all are familiar with the history books that we get in American school, public school systems that's telling you about George Washington and telling you about the British Empire and the French Empire, um, the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire. No Afrocentric. It, it or just no Africa, yeah. you know, where we have to also realize that um, the stories of Kemet, um, the Akan, the, 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 all of these different people in all these different localities on the continent of Africa were living their lives and developing their civilizations and contributing to the entire world um, in a time and space that predates Rome and Greece. That's something that gets overstated a lot. Like, these people didn't just stay in Egypt. They didn't just stay in Kemet. You know, these people built trading posts along the coast of Africa. Mm -hmm. These people built ships and traveled across the Atlantic Ocean hundreds if not thousands of years before um, any type of, by anybody from Europe made those pilgrimages or any before Christopher Columbus or Amerigo Respucia or whoever his so name is. So where's the is. credit? Huh? Where's the credit? What you mean? Where the credit for all the... Where the credit for all of those things. Yeah. Um, I think one thing we have to realize that um, all everybody was living in Egypt at, at one time. It was a cosmopolitan for different people with different ethnic backgrounds all around the world. But at some point, um, Africa was removed from the... Um, from the timeline of human history and then later on reintroduced as inferior to the world. Okay. Uh, as savages, as others, of uh, people who were less than humans. Um, these types of narratives had to be spread in order to justify the kidnapping of people on in West Africa and the shipping of them across the Atlantic and the introducing them into the bottom of society as enslaved 
Africans in a chattel slavery system, you know? So you had to have, you can't really say that, oh, we went and kidnapped, you know, pharaohs, and we went and kidnapped, what they say, kings and queens, right. or the people that we, or, or the people that we kidnapped um, were intellectuals, they were philosophers, um, they were great thinkers, they were great innovators. You can't really attribute those things to someone if you're trying to justify a crime that you committed to them. Correct. It's almost as though if we um, call war on another nation. You can't call war on another nation and then start saying all of these good and great things about the nation that you just invaded. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. You kind of have to... Stand on it. You got to stand on it. And sometimes standing on it means kind of lying about their history. That's right. the biggest thing. Uh, making people believe that they don't have their own history. Correct. But your history and your familiarity with that history is something that you have to hold on close to because there's a value and because there's a power within knowing your history, between knowing yourself. Um, you know that what you just said, uh, the value. I remember when we was in class and you talked about how they shaved the heads of uh, those that they brought in on the ships. Mm -hmm. you know, taking their identity, stripping their history. You exactly, know I mean? you know, because yeah. a lot of our um, family histories were woven into different hairstyles yeah, that people yeah, had yeah. on the continent. Yeah. That's something that you see being introduced in a lot of the stories of Afrofuturism today. I'm thinking of um, uh, Okafor's Binti. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these things told stories. We told stories in very unique and artistic and natural ways right. on the continent, and we still do. So let know? me ask you a question so for the history piece of the the, uh, the topic right you uh you just explained like you know what i mean they was covering up with their lies and things like that just so they can stand on what they was doing now do you think that the history piece is not now more revealing everything that's been hidden from uh th th those times oh uh, for sure you know i think that um we have a greater access to truth and information now than we ever have in the history, in human history. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's playing a large role in us becoming more familiar with our past and figuring out that we come from a legacy of excellence, per se. Okay. You okay. know? I mean, of course, there were trials and tribulations for every culture and every civilization. Of course. No matter where you are in the world, but the methods and the traditions that we use to respond to our environments and the means that we take on to find the solutions for our problems look a little bit different where we come from than other people responding to their environment in a different way right. um are creating right you know yeah i think that's just i think that's just a human fact you know um when you look at the tradition of how uh, African people look at education, how African people look at economics, how African people look at family, the family institution in itself. Mm -hmm. um, is there varying differences between them and people in other places in the world, yeah. which gets to the next facet of my research, which is culture. Mm -hmm. uh, before we get into culture, history is also connected to your family. So another way that I look into the history, our history is through our biogenetics. Um, the root word of biogenetics being gene. You know, our genes are um, 
our genes exist within our chromosomes and they actually command and order our bodies to develop in certain ways. Right. So, you know, you get your height from your mother or your father. Oh, he got his father's eyes, his father's nose. He got his mama's, you know, this or that, you know. We receive a lot of our physical characteristics, but we also get a lot of those other um personality and character traits from you know the legacy of our family Um, you know people within a lot of different traditions don't have like baby showers and things like that or they don't name a child before the child is born Mm -hmm. you know they wait for that child to be born and have a naming ceremony where they first have to become familiar with who is coming back into um, the physical realm through this vessel, through right. this physical vessel, you know? So uh, our family history is something that I don't want us to become detached from. Mm-hmm. Like, trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm with people when it comes to, like, black power and Black Lives Matter and all of these social justice movements. But I think the number one thing, the number one um, responsibility that we have is to become reconnected with our roots and build stronger bonds with our families, no matter how deconstructed or matter how um, dismantled they may be in their current form or state. It's not about um, forgiving people for some of the traumas that they may have given you in life. It's more so about getting the information necessary for you to take full advantage of your time here on this earth while you are here. And you can't do that unless you get essential information about the people you come from, their ambitions, their habits, some of the different things that they had to overcome in life, um, some of the addictions that they may have had. You know, whenever you have some type of problem with your body and you go to the doctor, the first thing they're going to ask you about is your medical history. Right. Meaning that you're more susceptible to deal with things like high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, um, liver failure, thyroid problems, if these things run in your family. So these is all the different things we got to know, not for just, you know, oh, you know, know that self, my brother or sister, but for literally to figure out the capacity of our our spirits. Right. You know, find out who you are, find out who you are and where you find out who you come from. Okay, so you can figure out who you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, because like I said, these genes are ordering the formation of your entire body and personality, but then you have your culture. So, your culture is something that is just a little bit different from like um your history mm-hmm. where i will look at the history and your family as like your biogenetics and the information pertinent to you because of the people you come from right. and the people that you're connected to right. because they shared space and time with people from this same regional area mm-hmm. but then you get in the culture and culture is more so how we how these people how these families in history responded to different epic and reoccurring phenomenon in their environment. Mm. 
So when we first was on biogenetics with family and history, now we're more so into epigenetics, where how do we respond? What traditions have we created um, in response to dealing with our environment? What are some of just the cultural legacy projects and traditions that exist? And uh, you might be too young, but if I say throw your hands in the air, what's next? Wave them like you just don't care. Wave them like you just don't care. That's reoccurring phenomenon. When I talk about epic phenomenon, I might be talking about um, Beyonce's Renaissance tour. You know what I'm saying? Like a once in a lifetime thing that people who experienced it and people who haven't experienced have a um, opinion on. Okay. So when you're talking about culture, you're really talking about how we present ourselves to the public, uh, what we think about, and how we respond and react uh, to the experience or knowledge of reoccurring or epic phenomena. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, but when we're also talking about culture, we're also talking about essence. You know, we're talking about essence, like the characteristics that people share in a community. I'm from the DMV, so like one example will probably be like the go-go culture. Mm-hmm. Like that is something that if you're from the DMV and you're a certain age range, you know that you have some type of interaction with go-go culture. So can the essence also be negative factors as well? Essence is all of the factors because you're talking about people responding to their environment. Okay. So if you have negative things going on in your environment, some of the traditions and some of the habits and some of the hobbies that people pick up in response to these negative things um, will go into who they essentially become in this world. Right. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So essence is not necessarily good or bad. None of these things are good and bad, especially when you consider that if you have a history that is connected to um, a world history that comes from the perspective of another entity outside of Europe. Then, especially if you come from a place of, if you're a descendant of Africa uh, and a descendant of enslaved Africans, right? It's very likely that your family institution has been attacked, mm. and 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 destruction has been plagued upon your community. It's very likely how many people we know come from divorced homes. How many people we know come from single parent homes, single family homes. Ahead, when I hands. was growing up, it's like if you had your mother and father, like. That was like heaven in the same crib. Like that was super rare. You know what I mean? So when you think of the impact of the destruction of the family and the role that has and also a poverty stricken community that you're in. So your 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 the environment that you were born in is a food desert. I see how this is leading to uh, the spiritual. You know, the body that you were born into, you're like the environment that you were born into is a food desert. Um, the environment that you were born into is played with crime. The environment that you was born to lacks activities to stimulate the youth and give them positive outlets to release energy. You know, like all of these things are going on within your community. So what do you expect the outcome to be? Right. Your input is going to determine your output every time. 
So we literally are seeing the results of what has been invested into our community. Mind you, it's people doing great things in our community right now, but there are powers working against the youth in our community to distract them, to dislocate them from their families and dislocate them from the histories of their families and push them into different maybe social justice groups or push them into the streets. So, look, now let's think about what happened this past homecoming from Bowie State, right? <laughs> Talk about it. You know what I mean? Talking about Bowie State homecoming at that. Yeah, you hear me? So be you remember you. what you just said? Li- li- looking for outlets for the youth, mm-hmm. right? That was that was supposed to be an outlet for the youth <laughs> and for the, the, the older alumni and things like that. However, but it ended up in some gunfire and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, can you look at it as like, okay, this is because of the environment that we're in that it led up to this? You get what I'm saying? Because you're not the only one saying that there's there was young kids up there skeezed up mm-hmm. with the gang. You know they got something on them. You know what I mean? It, it looked like a hostile environment. You got people from PG, D.C., Baltimore, all coming to this one area. Uh, like what what's the what you thinking about that i think that whenever you bring large populations of people together you have to accommodate the infrastructure that is needed to contain this large group of people mm. i don't care where you go like if if you take me to a place with over 2000 people especially 2000 young people you we need enhanced security we need to make sure that people can communicate. The service was dead. The cell phone service was non non apparent. It was not working at it all. It was not working at all at for all. students or visitors. Oh. The parking, there was nowhere to park for anybody. So people were parked two and three, four miles away from the campus. Mm-hmm. Like it was complete and total disorder. Like if you understand the energy of black people in America, you understand that it's a vibrant energy. We got a lot of energy, Very you know. Much. So if you're not having different activities going on, if you're not having different um, people uh, surveying the campus, making sure that people are safe, making sure that this is a safe environment for people to celebrate who they are and their institution, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Many say there wasn't enough security. It definitely wasn't enough security, but it wasn't enough culture either. Mm. It wasn't enough Bowie State culture there to direct people on how to use their energy in this space. So is that on the youth or is that on the leadership? We can never blame the youth. The youth's supposed to not know nothing. They're the youth. They're the youth. (laughs) We're supposed to guide and teach and educate the youth. So whenever we start blaming the youth, we got to look at the bigger problem. It's a chink in our our armor. It's a flaw in our infrastructure. So if there's a flaw in infrastructure, how is the youth going to ever grasp the history, the, the, the education, the knowledge of our history? We have to equip the people interested in fixing our infrastructure with the information they need to make better decisions. Mm. You know, that that's a very pivotal point. Like a lot of people want to help and a lot of people do help, but a lot of people don't understand because they weren't guided at all. Right. They weren't guided when they were youths. Mm-hmm. 
when they were in there, when they were growing up, they had nobody to guide them and teach them how to do this. I think the big thing of this whole equation is more so about the guidance part. That the guidance percent. part, you know what I mean? The guidance part, man. The guidance part. Guidance and, and the culture. And the, and the filling these generational gaps, man. Like, we can't, we can't under, we can't understate that enough. Yeah. You know? So... Epigenetics. This also can be looked at as perspective. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about history and you're talking about family, you're really talking about grounding, right? right? That's grounding. I am grounded in the knowledge I have about this. Make no mistake, it's still very important to understand the history of the rest of the world, right. but be located in the history of the part of the world that you come from. Right. You can know everybody else's business, sure, cool. If you're the nosy type, I don't blame you. Awesome. Go ahead. But make sure you understand your history. Mm-hmm. Make sure you know your family. What I used to tell y'all in school, this is during like all the Black Lives Matter rallies. Mm-hmm. I used to be like, listen, man, if you going to all of these rallies, make sure you checking up on your little homie that, me lock- that might be locked up right now. Right. Make sure you checking in on the elderly in your family that might be sickly right now. Mm-hmm. Because if Black Lives Matter, these are the lives we're talking about having value. Yeah, true, but what's getting more views? <laughs> that's that's where the problem lies in my generation. The views, like is this is this being seen? You know what I mean? Is that- this being seen, right? But we gotta understand, like the the truth is not the most popular thing in the world. Yeah, truth is not the most celebrated thing in the world. Of course, you don't break the algorithm by telling the truth. All right. You don't break the algorithm. You don't break the internet by um, giving people information and giving people game that's going to help them get from point A to point B. Of course not. Because this is not a flaw. The destruction in the family institution in the black community, you know, the 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 infiltration on the minds and the spirits of our youth is not by accident. Mm-hmm. Like, this is by design. Right. These things are ingrained in the fabric of our society and the mechanism of these things that were created was to destroy this institution right. and dislocate our youth from our elderly. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Right. Make us feel like we don't have anything, like we don't understand each other, like we're not going through the same things. Like I can't understand where you're coming from and you can't understand where I'm coming from. So we have to reverse a lot of the damage and a lot of, like I always say, the propaganda that's been cast down upon our community that's operating through a lot of the um, different social interaction tools that we use today, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Like, you don't control what you see on social media. You don't. They tell you what you're interested in. I think it's always funny, you know. You know, I'm going to be around the, the little shorties around the canvas and things like that. And I swear, every two seconds you hear a TikTok from, coming from their mouth. Like, they could be big conversation, a TikTok. Com- Dang, you don't even notice that you say, see you uh, saying what you was uh, watching 25 minutes ago. 1,000%. But, <laughs> but, you know, you what they say, you, you are what you consume. Yeah, that's real. Like, what I tell you guys all the time, you can only withdraw what you deposit. Yeah, that's fact. So if you are doing nothing but um, scrolling, 
through your favorite app every day. Yeah. If you are doing nothing but um, sharing things that you've seen and being distracted for hours on hours upon the day and night, then when it comes time to regurgitate information, you have to depend on the sources and the subject matter that you've been entertaining yourself with. Right. Entertainment is the biggest tool of manipulation that exists. Mm-hmm. You Explain know, that. Um, because you're going through a ritual and you don't even, even understand it. Mm. You know, you go into a movie theater, right? right? And what's the joint with the lady with the fire? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. They turn everything off. They turn all the lights off. Lights off. Right, all the lights off uh, leave less distractions, so you're forced to focus on the screen in front of you, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. And we set that fire off. Now we all are impart- embarking on a shared experience. It's right. like we're sitting around a bonfire, mm-hmm. and, and then they give you candy, they give you popcorn, they give you sugar, they give you salt. What is the purpose of these things? These things add stimuli. They make you happy. So not only are you watching um, this movie that has all these different subtle references, not only is it faint music controlling what you're listening to, um, uh, really influencing all of your audible um, perceptors in your mind. Like, not only um, is the caricatures being displayed on the screen come uh, intentional, right? All of these things are going on to get you to not only remember it, but ingrain these images and ingrain these messages into your subconscious. Right. So, so these things are in your mind, um, whether you like the movie or not. It don't even matter. Rather, well, a lot of times people are scrolling through the through Instagram and TikTok, and they're watching people that they would never be friends with at all. <laughs> that they would never hang out with. They would never go on vacation with. Mm-hmm. They might not even find this person attractive. Right. They might not even find this person funny. Mm-hmm. They might be laughing at that person and not with that person. And it's a lot of people in this world who don't mind being a joke. Of course, if, it's, if it gives them some bread. If it gives me some money. Right. Which gets to another thing. We value material things way too much. Right. We value the material things way too much. Which get me to the third part of my, my study, which is the spirit. Right. You know, it is that intangible thing that cannot be seen. Right. Right. But it is evidenced by what you have done and what you do. If I want to know your spirit, I just need to know the things you have done in your past what you and saw. what you are doing right now. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And But your spirit also is connected to your destiny. Because you will only be known for what you have done. Right. Your reputation will be based on what you do and how you do it. Correct. Right? which gets me into the the biggest theme of my paper, which is conscious agency. Agency is our behavior. Agency is the actions that we take. Agency is how we respond to the different things going on around us. You said conscious? Conscious agency. Conscious Conscious agency is when we behave in alignment with our history, culture, and spirit. Okay. When our history, culture, and spirit is aligned, to achieve whatever individual or collective destiny that we have, 
That is when we achieve conscious agency. So fulfillment and understanding of the history, of our it's history? fulfillment and the understanding of um, that history. Like one concept that comes up a lot, and I also look at spirit as like metagenetics. Mm. Like metagenetics, metagenetics right? Uh, one thing that comes up, because I deal, especially with the biogenetics, is bioethics, mm-hmm. Right. Um, a definition for bio bioethics uh, uh, is interested in ethical issues related to health, including those emerging from advances in biology, medicine, and technology, right? right. And bioethics is divided into four different components. It's four different components to um, make sure something pertaining to your health or your bodily function is ethical. Mm-hmm. Like if this person is making an ethical decision about their health. Mm-hmm. And this is when I get into this concept of freedom in my paper, right? So it's four things that you need. The first thing is self-determination, which can be looked at as autonomy. Like, does this person have the ability to make decisions for themselves, okay. right? The second thing is non-maleficence, maleficence, maleficence, is it non-maleficence, non-maleficence, right? So when we're talking about this, you must have all the pertinent information at your at your disposal before making the decision. So I before I make a decision, I need to have all of the information that's available to me. You know, before I decide which school I'm going to go to, before I decide which daycare I'm going to go to, before I decide what I'm going to feed my kids for dinner, I need to have all the pertinent information available for I can make the best conscious decision about uh, whatever it is I'm debating. Right. Um, The next is justice, right, or confidentiality. With this, this is a uh, a person's problems can't be used against them. Right. So if you know I'm dealing with a certain situation and I've been dealing with a certain situation that's outside of my control, you can't use that against me to leverage me into making a decision I wouldn't make otherwise. Mm -hmm. So poverty could be one big thing. Right. Where a person's possibilities is limited due to their lack of access to resources. Right. Where's the justice in that? That makes sense? Yeah. Um, and it's being fair in the distribution of resources, meaning that we don't grant pref- for a special privilege to people based off their race, class, or gender. And last is utility, which is balancing the bill- benefit of the individual over the harm for the collective community. Okay. You know, so these are all of the things that also go into conscious agency. Are you are you keeping in mind um, how your decisions will impact your community? Mm-hmm. Or are you only worried about how you attain your own things that you desire? Your end result. Are you trying to figure out what's best for you? Or are you trying to do things that create better opportunities and don't endanger or harm anybody that you have a personal connection with? So what would you say, in your opinion, is the percentage of the people on Earth? What do you think they usually go by? What you mean? Do they move on their own terms to, so they can have their own satisfaction with their, their life, or do they think about others? Like I said, a lot of people have been dislocated due to what they consume on a daily basis and due to what they believe about themselves. You know, like a lot of people, a lot of people are suffering from an inferiority complex 
where they believe that they are disadvantaged because they are black. Mm -hmm. They believe that they are disadvantaged because of their economic situation. Mm -hmm. They think that they are disadvantaged because they come from a neighborhood that lacks affluence and lacks commercial development or lacks representation in the businesses that surround them or lacks access to good healthy food or good drinkable water. Like all of these things impact the psyche in very um in in various ways, very detrimental ways, if we um are not counterbalancing that with a desire for victory and a desire to create a better situation and environment for ourselves and for the future generations to grow up in. So like you said, they think but it's not true. You know, they, they've they've been equipped with information that's not compatible for the weapon they have to discharge. So your research is a weapon for real? My research is a weapon. Um, no, no. My research is not a weapon. My actions are weapons. My behavior is a weapon. Mm -hmm. But my history, my culture, and my spirit are the bullets that I load into that weapon and discharge. A lot of us is rolling with four fives, but we only got nine millimeter deuce, deuce ammo. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, your gun can't even shoot that. Yeah. All due respect, you know what I mean? Like, the information that you are using to empower yourself is incompatible with the people who you inherited your spirit from. Mm. That's deep. Say that again. <laughs> Say it again, bro. You know, but no, that's real. Like the information that that you are arming yourself with is incompatible to the spirit that you inherited from your ancestors. Yeah, your ancestors don't even understand what you're talking about because it's rooted in the culture and a history and a family history that is foreign to your own. It might help you advance in spaces dominated by foreigners, but a lot of that stuff holds no weight in, in your own community. Right. Some of the most wealthiest people you know in the world can't go into where they grow up. They can't go where they grew up without security. That's real. But that means that you didn't get there from your people. Mm -hmm. your people. Your people didn't prompt you up. You were more so just used as a vehicle to further dislocate and destroy the institution of families from the communities that you come from. Right. Like, I don't have to go into your, your, your household and destroy it if I can take your son and get him to do it for me. Mm -hmm. If I could take your daughter and get her to do it for me. Take yourself. If I can make your son believe he is nothing but uh, a, a trigger squeezing, um, pill popping, um, women abusing, uh, whatever, then I don't have to overtly be racist to an individual. And another, which brings me to another component of my paper, which is institutional inhibition institutional inhibition and European organizations and American institutions, right? And what is institutional inhibition? Institutional inhibitions is when people in certain spaces already know that certain behaviors and certain traditions are not accepted in this space. Do they still do it? They wouldn't dare. Oh, okay. 
you wouldn't dare go and play backyard band or TCB at your government job. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you wouldn't dare listen to NBA Young Boy at work with on speaker. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it, it like you know better. So they never even have to address the fact that they don't accept different components of your culture in their spaces, in their organizations, Mm -hmm. because you already know that it is inhibited institutionally, that that's not flying here. Mm -hmm. You know you can't wear a sweatsuit to work. Right. Right. (laughs) Like, you know we don't even play that. That might be dress up, go to the club for your people. But for my people, when I say what business casual it is, you know what it is. All right. A shirt, a jacket, a tie. You know what I mean? Some some slacks. If you're going to wear jeans, dress it up with a blazer. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, But under no circumstances do the things that your people and your community value, will they be considered normal? Will they be considered um, professional in these spaces and there aren't enough spaces in the world where people who have a great abundance of talent who also have a great abundance of education to complement that that talent it's not a lot of places that exist in the world that can afford them that will also accept their cultural norms Mm -hmm. it just doesn't exist Mm -hmm. so this goes for the uh for white people too when they say the n-word correct you said what if white people say the n-word well they can't correct that's the same thing (laughs) i mean i don't know i can't really say i'm not gonna say it's the same thing because institutionally for the black community you're gonna get slapped i mean but institutionally black people not a part of white culture true so like the their use of the n word is not um culturally significant to them. It's not like if you took away the n word that like they would be devastated, but if you took away some of the music of the people that we listen to, if you took away I was just about to say I know some of the yeah. athletes that we valorize, if you took away some of the the shoes that we love yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, the the drip, the swag, the je ne sais quoi. Like, we change the way we dress. We change the way we talk. We change the way we look. I know brothers who've been wanting to grow locks, but they can't because of their job. I know brothers who want to get tattoos, but they can't because of their job. I know brothers who want to get grills, but they can't because they're afraid how people at their job will look at them. I know people who I know black men who don't believe they black women because they're afraid of, of the impression that they're going to make to their co-workers from different ethnicities at the workplace. Vice versa. Like we see these things every day, yeah. you know, but we have to move with consciousness. We have to act with the information that we have about ourselves, where we come from, who we come from, and who we are meant to be in this world. We have to figure out who we are supposed to be in this world. And we have to practice early and often and manifest in who we are supposed to be while we are here. I say that again. 
is nothing more important. And the thing about spirit is that it gets invi- it gets divided into an individual component and it gets divided into a collective a, a component because every single human I've ever met has dreams or aspirations or ambitions to do something in life. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people that I know who come from communities like mine, we share the same institutional inhibitions that prevent us from remaining ourselves in conquest of becoming that thing. You ask a baby what you want to be with when they grow up. They say a doctor, right? How much of themselves will they have to sacrifice during the process of going through school and making sure that their grades stay high enough so that they could get into one of these schools, right? How much do they have to study to make sure that they're equipped to, if you want to be a doctor, for you to understand all of the different science classes you got to take? How much of their culture do they got to sacrifice to, or not even sacrifice, their culture is not needed for them to pass the SATs or the ACTs. Like, you don't have to be familiar with your family, where you grow up with, your cultural phenomenon to pass these tests. You have to become familiar with other people's traditions to pass these tests. You have to learn how other people think to pass these tests. You can't take how you think. You can't take what you know and take them into the classroom right now. You can't take how you think. You can't take what you know, and you can't take who you know into your workplace right now. How you know, how, how what you think about, what your people think about, what your family, what your community think about, how they are, how they behave, you know, their traditions. None of that's going to help you pass the bar. That's true. None of that's going to help you get in a promotion. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So we have to start, you know, acting with consciousness so that we can start creating and developing things that are aligned with our history, culture, and spirit. Right. Because that's really the issue. We don't have enough organizations based on the institution of the Africana family, Africana cultures, and Africana spirit. I think that will bring more morality in the world. It will bring a lot more morality <laughs> to the world, you know? It'll bring a lot more morality to the world, you know? But this is only part one, you know? We're going to get more into this, uh, you know, every month we're going to have one of these. Look, man, I know I got the same thing on as another episode that mm. you probably just watched on the network, but, you know, I just decided that we was going to record these episodes back to back. You know, again, my name is Maurice Robinson. My people call me Rich. I'm so happy that you guys were able to tune in today to the Stay Rich in Spirit podcast only on the Rich Podcast yeah, Network, yeah. Rich Podcast TV on YouTube, Rich Podcast TV on TikTok, Stay Rich in Spirit is no cuts on instagram make sure you subscribe to the patreon that is how we pay the bills and keep the lights on in this thing right here and the support that you guys offer us goes a very 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 long way i want to say thank you to all those subscribers i want to say thank you to everybody who's interacting with the content man we truly appreciate it if you like this or any of our other videos Please share it with a friend. 
download the audio podcast. Like I said, everybody who supports me, I'm really, really indebted to you, and I'm really grateful um, for your time and your attention. With that being said, stay rich. Don't make poor decisions.